Welcome to another episode of the Self-Doubt Solution, the show that helps entrepreneurs overcome the self-doubt that holds them back from achieving the next level of success, income, and personal freedom. The Self-Doubt Solution is hosted by the freedom architect, Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share practical insights and tools that help you find the shortcuts for exponential growth and success in all areas of your life. Learn how to build the mindset you need to create a life of true abundance, freedom, and fulfillment. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. All right, all right. Welcome to the Self-Doubt Solution. My name is Mario Lanzarotti, the Freedom Architect, and today I have the plum-pleasing pleasure of interviewing Colby Flood. Colby went from struggling with an opioid addiction, dealing with three drug-related court cases, and no one wanting to hire him because of all of the things that he's experienced, to starting his own agency called Brighter Click. He taught himself everything he needed to grow his company, his company's revenue, in a single year by 300%, which I think is absolutely amazing. Colby is the living proof that your comeback can be greater than any setback you've ever experienced. I'm excited. Colby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to share with the listeners here. Beautiful, beautiful. Colby, as we get started uh, in this interview today, I want to just off the bat ask you, what is it that you do and how can you help our listeners? Yeah, so professionally, Brighter Click is a paid social agency that works with e-commerce companies, uh, we mainly provide Facebook, Instagram, Google ads, but we're also transitioning over to creative direction, creative strategy, and uh, creative design as well. So that's what we do uh, nine to five, Monday through Friday. Uh, but definitely think as we're going into kind of mindset opportunities and just talking about that, there might be a couple other things I could provide as well. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. So everyone make sure that you check out Colby. I'm going to have his contact details into the show in the show notes um, on uh, YouTube, on uh, LinkedIn, and of course, on all the major platforms for our podcast. So with that being said, Colby, you have a very interesting story. You and I connected through LinkedIn. I saw one of your posts and you were talking about your story. And as I dove deeper into that, I got more and more fascinated. So I want to hear from you. What is it that you experienced several years ago that kicked off this journey that you're now experiencing? Yeah, um, I'll start there. And then I'll, I'll start before that, or I'll go before that as well. So in 2015, I actually decided to go to rehab for drug addiction and spent four months in a Christian based drug rehabilitation program in a little town called Snow Camp, North Carolina, probably never heard of it. Uh, I was on a farm and uh, spent four months there and then left that place January 2016. A lot of things I experienced before that, and I'm sure that we could go into uh, quite a bit on that, but that's what yeah. started my whole journey of um, self-educating myself and, and reaching the things that I wanted to achieve. Yeah. T tell me, you know, people don't just normally book themselves into a rehab center. You know, that's, that's often a battle to get there. You know, there's a lot of self-denial with that. Like, I want to know what it was it for you that made you say, this is enough. I got to do something about this. I got to really focus on the inner, inner work. 
It took a lot of instances. Um, you know, I think it really started. the The biggest one that sticks out to me is a Sunday morning. Uh, I think it was March. I should know this off the top of my head, but I think it was March eleventh um, of twenty fifteen. Um, 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and all of a sudden there's a bang on the door. I get woken up by the police, and it wasn't just the regular police. It was what they called ANAT, where I'm from, which was um, Alcohol and Narcotics Enforcement Team, and wow. they were raiding my house. Um, they were uh, had a warrant because I'd been selling drugs, or they believed I was selling drugs. That's where my third court case came into play. And uh, I was taken away, put under a $60,000 bond because of what I was charged for. And, you know, I was out the next day, um, continuing to run, continuing to do it, moved to the mountains. I was in fight or flight, uh, new location. That's where I went. And because I had gone to college in the same location in the mountains, and then the SBI, which is like the State Bureau of Investigations, the level below the FBI, came and started raiding that house that I was in. They did not find anything, but that was like the second real kind of eye-opening trigger there. And then at that time as well, I was back and forth driving back home in the mountains. I was not stable. I was not. So I was living in the mountains. My hometown was three and a half hour drive from that. I would make that drive once to twice a week to pick up the things that I thought I needed drug wise and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was on one of those drive home, uh, made it to a gas station in my hometown, bought a pack of cigarettes, opened up, took out the first one and just broke down right there. Uh, and that's, uh, when I decided and where I decided to get help called my family. And then, um, I mean, I thought I had to tell them I had a problem as if it wasn't obvious. And then uh, that's, that's where it kind of mm. kicked off from there. Wow. That's, that's, thank you for sharing that. And I, I can't even imagine the stress of having these authorities come into your, into your personal home, into your sacred environment and just deciding, you know, let me go in there and see if he's got something that's illegal. Stress, yeah, but looking back on it, uh, they had due calls and they had a lot of uh, good reason to do it. So, I mean, mm. uh, I'm, I'm definitely grateful that it happened because I, I would not be here, honestly, if that would not have happened. So, um, yeah, it was stressful at the time because I thought I was in the right, but I was far from that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that you are, that you can share gratitude for that instead of, you know, looking at the saying, like, like, screw you for having done that. That shows that you've done a lot of inner work. Now, before we talk more about sort of the learnings and that you got out of this journey, I want to know from you, what do you think is it that led you to this dark place in the first place? Because there are so many people in the world. That's why I really honor you for stepping up and for being so real about this. And there's so many people, if you look at America, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but prescription drugs and opioid addiction is so rampant nowadays. And if you think about actually, with an abundant access to pretty much anything one could ever ask for, how come that this is still the case? How come that it seems mental health and emotional health is declining so rapidly, even though we live in such an abundant world? Like, what was it for you that led you to that dark place? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. And, you know, as I go into these, I want to start by saying I definitely take full responsibility for all the actions that I took. But there were some contributing things like, um, parents splitting up when I was younger, um, and then, 
instability with, you know, I'm going to school and everybody's living their normal life. And then if it's my dad's weekend, we're staying in a motel somewhere. If it's my mom's weekend, we're staying at a friend's house. Mom ended up going into a new marriage that was very abusive. So out of the divorce, we went to that. And then it was a home full of abuse, which was just very traumatic that way. And, you know, um, mental health is not taught to younger people. Mental health is not something that it it may be more so now Uh, I'd say it like I'm old, I'm only 27, but it may be more so (laughs) now than it, than it used to be when I was in high school and and middle school, but it wasn't taught. Um, You didn't want to go to the counselor. You didn't want to have those things. So I handled it the best way I could. You know, the, uh, I found uh, alcohol when I was 15 and find it, but started using it when I was 15. And then marijuana was shortly after that. The way I put it is, um, if you're going to a new place and you put it in a GPS and the GPS gives you two options, one is a 45 minute drive. And one is a 25 minute drive. You're naturally going to not even look, you're going to take the 25 minute path. Right. Right. And that's what I did. I took the path of least resistance to getting away from the problem. I wasn't looking at any potholes along the drive that may mess up my uh, suspension in my car or anything like that. I was just getting to the destination that I was trying to get to, which was, relief from the stress and the, the struggles that I was going through. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and it's, it's so true. And if you, if we take what you said to the larger, to the larger perspective in society that we're seeing is we're living in this hyper fast world where everyone seems to try to rush to the, the destination as fast as possible with the, as you said, with the least amount of resistance. And oftentimes that's just a cover up for running away from the pain. And, you know, in the work that I do, I look at that as a, as a coping mechanism. And I'm curious, what would you say helped you to, first of all, identify that you were actually running away from pain? And then second, like, how did your relationship with pain change? Yeah, that's taken some time. That was not a, um, I did not see that in the instance, let's just say from um, 2010, 2011 to 2015 is when this period was, I did not see it then. It took going to the rehabilitation. It took stepping out of my day-to-day and also stepping out of my own um, control over my life and putting faith into uh, somebody else helping me that way. So finding someone that had the resources, that had the knowledge, that had the understanding to help me through that is really what that took. And it's continued. So I was in um, Living Free Ministries for four months, and they definitely um, started that and put that into kind of my mind and my pathway. But it's, I mean, I go to counseling every other week uh, for an hour still. I mean, it's, it's a continued path of just staying mindful and, and putting your focus on uh, kind of uncovering those things. And I've yeah. Seven years later, still learn things new each yeah. uh, time I go. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think you made a very valuable point, you know, even when it's about asking for help, you know, like a lot of people, and I find men have a much harder time with this to ask for help because there's this stigma that says asking for help means you're weak. And was there a time in your life where you realized like asking for help is actually a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't really thought through that one. I would say it, it really probably took me um, doing it and then seeing that mm. there was no negative repercussion from it, really only positive that way. Um, if you're asking for help and you're in a situation that is a good environment, there's really no negative outcome that can come from it. Um, as long as you're putting yourself around people that have good intentions and good um, mindset with things. So that is a good question. I would say it took it took doing it that first time and um, kind of understanding there was no negative to come from it. Yeah. And I'm curious because you, you've now mentioned the word faith a couple of times, and it seems like from what I'm hearing that there was this leap of faith that you took, you know, from actually, and a leap of faith can look like this, raising your hand saying, I need help. I can't do this myself. What would you say, help you build that faith because there's people listening that might be like nah no way you know i've done that in the past i've asked for help and it ended up terrible you know i got hurt i lost money i got screwed over i'm not going to do this anywhere i'm going to just going to do it myself what what is it that helps people build that faith yeah so you know in my specific circumstance um i was struggling with drugs and alcohol and i had tried things on my own I had tried quitting cold turkey. That didn't work. I tried going to a suboxone clinic. It got worse. Um, I tried doing things on my own and it, it just did not work. And I had to get to a point to where I was at my rock bottom to where I realized I could not do anything else for myself. So, you know, this is probably not the, um, the nice, pretty answer, but sometimes if you're listening and you're at that stage, Sometimes it might take three or four more bad situations for you to finally get to a point to where you realize that getting someone else's help is the best option, but um, it takes outside perspective because there's, there's viewpoints on things you're experiencing that can be jaded because you're only seeing your perspective and having other people come in and help you there is kind of monumental. So you know, that might not be the, the prettiest answer, but um, when somebody is really at that bottom point of needing that help and knowing they need it is when they will ask for it. Yeah. And, and I resonate with what you just said because I've experienced the same exact thing. When I was struggling with a depression and had suicidal tendencies and was in chronic pain and, and the spiral kept on pulling me further down and down and down, I didn't talk to anyone about this because I was like, if I openly admit this my whole life is going to collapse and so the, the 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 pain was driving this whole conversation and pain was also driving my solution because i the pain of me talking about this was still greater than the pain of of of, of changing and so I, as this switched as i was like i can no longer tolerate staying here the pain of me staying the same was way greater than the pain of the unknown like the fear of like, okay, what is going to happen if I start sharing? And it sounds a bit like, like you've experienced that as well, where you're like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I got I got to do something. And, you know, you said it's not the prettiest answer, but I think it's the truth, you know, and a lot of people, this is what I, what I tell people that find themselves in a very resistant state that don't want to use, or they struggle to use purpose motivation. And it's like, okay, connect with the pain. I was like, what is it? What is staying where you are costing you right now in your life? And when you start thinking that way, people are like, 
oh shit, oh yeah, I'm actually screwing everything up here. I'm losing all my relationships and my health. And that's, that's terrible. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you can sometimes look at it as well and think like, what is, <clears throat> what is really keeping me from talking to other people? Like, <clears throat> is it that something bad is going to happen? Or is it truly that I just have a fear of opening up about this? And when you can realize that, address that with yourself and say, okay, the problem is my fear of opening up to other people. I need to get myself outside of that box and open up maybe 25% to one person or 50% to one person. You don't have to tell everything and start to work your way into that. But um, it's, you know, sometimes you don't feel like you have control over the season you're in, but you always have control over what season is to come, like what the next season is. So you can choose to stay in the season you're in for the next season and the one after that, where you can make some uh, choices and do some things that may not change where you are right now, but two months from now, six months from now, it'll start to compound and get you right. there. So, right. Yeah. Great. I like that analogy. And I want to ask you this. So you talk about opening up and this fear of like, okay, what's going to happen if I open up? You know, often, oftentimes it's connected to a fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. So well, if I open up, they're going to leave me. They don't going to like me anymore. Based on your experience, you know, you don't have to give me exact numbers, but what would you say was the, the ratio of people after you open up them feeling like actually making the connection deeper, more intimate versus people saying, oh, you know what? I don't want to hang out with you anymore. I'll give you, so <clears throat> I'll give you a great example and not even from the first time that I opened up about having a drug problem, but we could look at that as well. So I post, you saw that post on LinkedIn. Yeah. Now this is seven years later. But that was the first time I'd shared that on LinkedIn, a professional place. People are networking, doing business, shared my full story, a before and after photo when I was on 300 milligrams oxycodone a day. It was very bad. And since then, every client that I work with that saw that has giving, gladly given a review on Clutch for our business, like gone out of their way to provide value for us, started giving us referrals to new clients. Like, And that's not why I did it, but it... it gave it, I can't even put words to it. it. It did the complete opposite of what I was worried for so long that it would do, right? It opened this door for us to be talking right now. So it's, it's crazy how um, the things that we make up in our head and they, we just keep thinking on them and then it gets worse and worse and worse are so far from the truth. A lot of times yeah. that um, it, it just go against it, do, open up to people. I guess is the quickest yeah. way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I love that you said that, because that's exactly what I you know, talk about as well. You know, there's this idea that that is holding you back so much. It's like, oh, if I reveal this thing that I don't want people to know about me, they're going to judge me, they're going to hate me. And then almost every time, you know, just like you, you know, my, my recent TED talk went viral, because I'm so vulnerable. And I had so many people reach out to me. It's like, dude, wow, I could never talk about the things that you talk about. Like, and I was like, why not? It's like, oh, because, you know, people and like, and just like you, the more vulnerable and the more real I get, the more love I receive. And the more people are like, yeah, this guy is a real person. You know, of course I want to do business with him because I trust him. It creates mm -hmm. real trust. And that's what I'm seeing with you as well. I, I, I think it's amazing. And, you know, one thing I'll throw in there is, um, 
you can, you know, I like to get really granular with things, uh, but you can also look at like, what is causing that fear of rejection? We know it's fear of rejection, right? But what is causing that? And that can start to help you overcome these things. And what I'm about to tell you is not thought of for myself. It's from talking with a counselor and opening up, but Mm -hmm. through my childhood, a lot of times uh, praise and, and uh, gratitude from others, from my parents was associated with high performance and with doing and achieving and accomplishing. And I just naturally over time ingrained that into my brain that if I'm not doing, achieving, accomplishing, then there will be no approval. So the polar opposite of that of opening up about negative would bring the complete opposite, which would be very negative results that way. So once again, um, it, you can you can go a little bit deeper and see how those and then start to, that's how you start to recover. That's how you start to uh, grow and move forward and get out of the trench that you've been in. Man, I'm so glad that you said this. And this is, this is everyone listen very carefully to this because this is so true. It is, from what I hear you say, is like, you know, we are conditioned almost like, and I'm going to use an extreme like pets, you mm. do you do good, you receive love. Do mm-hmm. good, good boy, good girl. Oh, you're so good. And then so we get addicted to this, to this appraisal, to this. Oh, you're doing good. You're doing good. So it's all in the doing. So we become these these achieving machines. And people like you and I, and 99% of the people that are listening are high achievers. Mm-hmm. So we have this ingrained into our system, and we try. And here's the challenge with that. We try to find the answers in the doing. So, you know, we, we don't feel how we want to feel. We don't feel confident, secure, at peace, loving, all of that. We don't feel, what do we do? Oh, it must be because I'm not doing enough. Because mm-hmm. remember when I was six years old and daddy always said, you're doing so great. You're doing so great. You know, our daddy loves you. And they, our parents didn't do that because they're evil masterminds and they wanted to, you know, control us. Yet it is a form of manipulation. It's like we are evoking love through a form of giving another person appraisals through a, what do you call it? Through a reward system. Mm-hmm. You know, real love. Someone said this to me in a seminar, a coach, which completely blew my mind. He said, love is accepting someone exactly as they are and exactly as they're not. Everything mm-hmm. else is romantic bullshit. And I was like, and at first, at first, I was fighting against that. I was like, oh, how dare you? You know, love is this. And it's like, my heart is bleeding. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's right. Oh, and then I had to evaluate. Do I really love myself? Do I love the people in my life? Or do I love the idea about the people in my life? And when they're not adhering to that idea, I'm like, I don't like you anymore. Something about you needs to change. And that just opened up a whole new world for me. So I, I really love what you just said. Yeah, and I like how you uh, added in, do I love myself from that? Because, you know, I still fall into the trap of um, 1% better every day, keep growing, which growth is not bad, but it can become sure. unhealthy at times. Yeah, yeah. And there's one thing that I want to share that, that fits so well here, that is, there's this idea in the personal development work that you, that you become better right? You become better. And it sounds really cool. It sounds really fancy. Yet 
it always plays into the belief of I'm not enough mm. because it's always, oh, I can become better. I'm better, you know, becoming the best version of myself. And the mind doesn't understand the future or the past. The mind always perceives now. So when we talk about that, the mind gets the notion of, oh, but who I am now is not enough because I can still become a better version of myself. So it's always, it's a scarcity mindset that a lot of people don't understand because it's promoted in the personal development industry. And one of the things that I talk about is the abundance mindset. And in the abundance mindset, you're whole and complete. So whatever you do or don't do doesn't matter. And nothing can add or take away from you. You're already whole and complete. And when you're acting from that place, then the things you do become a choice, not a must, not a... It's not, you're no longer operating with pressure. You're operating from a place of joy, of peace, and of really choice. And then the question is, well, if you love doing something and you're already feeling good, doesn't it make sense that you just do a lot more of that because you really enjoy doing it? Yeah, I I love that. You know, one thing that could kind of go in um, addition to that, and I understand listeners may have different religions or, or uh, origins sure. that they're from. But, you know, one thing interesting to look at that we learned where I went to rehab at is when you look at Adam and Eve, when they came in uh, the Bible and the story there, mm-hmm. their first full day on earth was not working. It was resting. And if you really look at that, uh, we have this methodology now or this belief now that you work towards rest, like, oh, I need to work Monday through Friday to get to the weekend. I need to earn my rest. I need. But if you look at the first people in the Bible that were on the earth, God purposely put them in a state of rest at the very beginning and then had them work from there. And that's one thing I've been kind of uh, chewing on is just getting to that mindset of working from rest and not for rest, because you don't have to earn your rest, you actually already have authority over it, and you have uh, access to it. And it's, it's that um, kind of American ideology of like, I have to hustle to to earn my retirement to earn my rest. Before we continue the conversation with my inspiring guest, I have a very special announcement to make. If you're a business owner, I have a feeling you started this journey because you want more than just success. You want to live a truly abundant life. That means having a profitable business to fund the lifestyle you love and create a massive positive impact. It also means having thriving relationships with people who inspire and challenge you. Being mentally, emotionally and physically healthy so you can have the energy to go after what you really want while truly enjoying the process. And being able to go on adventures that really make life worth living rather than just sitting behind your computer all day. So if you would like to be able to have this kind of abundance in your life, then I've just got the right thing for you. The Abundance Accelerator Academy is my new membership community where we host three monthly coaching calls that are focused on helping you improve your mindset, grow your business, and create the kind of freedom you want. There are also fun monthly community growth challenges that help you build new success habits, which you will need to access greater levels of abundance. All of this and more for just $69 per month. If this sounds exciting to you, visit www.abundanceupgrade4.me to learn more. And now back to the show with my inspiring guest. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. That's such a, 
That's such an important point. You know, I love that you just said working from rest, not working for rest. And, you know, you brought in the idea of the American culture with the hustle mentality. So true. And even, you know, in the, in the constitution, it's, it's so tricky how, when we talk about mindset, it's all about language because language creates the different frameworks of meaning that we adhere to and meaning really creates our entire world and with the emotions that we feel in the declaration of independence it says the pursuit of happiness so you got to go out and be a busy pursuer of happiness you got to do something to get the happiness and it's really again playing into what you just said it's working for something but what if you already had everything you needed You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I believe in God as well. I'm, I might not adhere specific to any sort of religion, but I believe that God created all of us in a complete state, meaning we have it all, everything, everything we ever need and could ever look for, we already have inside of us. And if you're operating from that place, even if you leave spirituality to the side for a moment, take a look at what happens when you're in a reactive state of mind. You become triggered. You be you move into a fight or flight state. That means your resources, your internal resources, are decreased. The access that you have to them are decreased because you become panicked. So naturally, your thinking becomes heavily limited. You revert back to old systems. So even if you talk about someone who works, someone who is addicted, or someone who says, you know, I'm behind, I'm struggling, I'm I'm lost, is like. When someone says to me, I'm lost, I always ask the question, how can you be lost if you're right here? Mm. And they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, well, I don't know where, you know, I was like, yeah, but how can you be lost if I can see you? I was like, are you hiding anywhere? I was like, I see you're right here, aren't you? It's like, oh yeah. And then I say, well, but I'm behind. It's like, yeah, but you're still right here. No, I'm behind, but you're right here. So if you get that you can't, couldn't be anywhere in the world other than right here, right now, It frees up so much. And operating from that place, in my view, makes you unstoppable. Yeah, and I don't know the proper term for it, but it's something I experience. I'm going to call it decision fatigue or just anxiety overwhelm. But there's sometimes where you can, uh, I guess, with the fight or flight mode, like you were saying, have so much anxiety or so much stress from what you need to get done that you end up accomplishing nothing, which puts you behind even further. And then you get even more anxious and stressful, and then you get into the cycle that way. So um, working from rest, but the phrase that I use, and it's, I got out of living free and got my first job at a, a retail store. And the manager used to always tell me, slow down to speed up. You're moving too fast. You need to slow down. Mm. You need to think about these things. So then you can move more effectively. So slow down to speed up. It's something I've stuck with me for a while. Yeah. Very important, very important. And I, I totally resonate because for the longest time, and still today, I notice myself, I go for speed, I go for speed, I go for quantity. And because, you know, I, I meditate every morning, I have like a two hour dedicated morning routine, I feel very good, most of the time, very much aligned, yet I still aim for how can I speed up? And, you know, just, I think this was yesterday, yesterday, I was like sitting, I completed a lot of things on my to-do list that I've set out for myself. And then I was like, oh, now I have some free time. I was like, what do I do with that? I could do more. I could do more. And then eventually I was like, oh, wait, 
how about I'll just rest? How about just I do nothing? How about I chill out? You know, I'll just like, go for a walk, I'll just lay in the sun for a little bit. And I was like, ah, okay, here's the hustle that sneaks in a little bit. So uh, I, I, I very much agree with that. And, and I want to ask you another question about mental health. And actually, before I ask you that, now I forgot, now I remember what I wanted to ask you, which is one of the things that I noticed, you know, when you talk about things like slowing down to speed up, you know, like rest is, is something that you deserve just by who you are and not, you don't have to earn it. I think a lot of people get that, like mentally, they're like irrationally, like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yet they don't apply it. Hmm. What would you say? maybe for yourself, was the reason you resisted that if you did or other people? Yeah, I think the reason I resisted it at the very beginning was because I just had that so ingrained of I need to do, do, do to achieve, achieve, achieve to be approved, right? So I just kept seeing it that way. And I always had that. I don't want to turn this into like a, um, a talk on uh hustler mentality and stuff, but always had that like workers mentality of I have to be the one to do things. I need to get the approval. I can't this and that. So I think I always was just worried about that. And I, I got out of rehab. I was 21 years old. I had no college degree. I was facing 10 years and three months in prison. I had a lot of uh, financial things that went along with that. So I was in this mindset of just being behind everybody else that I went to high school with was graduating college, had their degrees, they were doing everything that they were doing when in the grand scheme of things, they were just graduating into a lot of debt like this. So I had the mindset of I'm behind and I need to catch up, catch up. And the only thing at that time, because I was trying to move so fast was that the only thing I can do to catch up to them is work harder, work faster, accomplish more, cross more things off the list. And it really took, um, you know, I worked to burn out and realize that there's other ways that I can do things and I should enjoy what I'm doing and stuff like that. So hopefully no, that doesn't directly answer your question, but that was my experience yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and, and there's, a, you touched on something very important that I, see so many people struggle with emotionally this feeling of i'm behind mm -hmm. you personally how did you deal with that how did you approach this feeling behind to to where you are now you know not healthy at first i worked very hard i was working 80 hour weeks in retail and uh, educating myself when i wasn't working reading books and things like that i think um what I really just started doing was focusing on myself and not focusing on everybody around me or everybody else that I was comparing myself to. And one picture I try to paint for it is like, if you look at everybody's life, like a, a line chart, right. It goes up and down uh, mine zero through 15 years old was going up and then it started to go down and then it crashed down at, at age 21. And then I went to rehab and it started to go back up. And because I went so far down, I thought I was behind everybody, but I was only seeing it as their lives were linear going up. I wasn't taking into account that other people have dips and waves and ups and downs and crashes that way. And, you know, I was just, I mean, at the end of the day, I was just comparing myself to other people too much flat out. That's what I was doing. So I yeah. think when I was able to just start looking at um, focusing on myself and just how I was mentally and physically and those things is when I could start to make that change. Yeah. 
And did you have like a practice? Because, you know, from what I hear is like you, you were feeling behind because you were comparing yourself to other people and looking at their progress. And then you sort of learned to appreciate more about who you are and where you are. Did you have some sort of a practical process in that? Yeah, one thing I did, um, which I know we're a paid social agency, please still use social media. But one thing I did is slow down on my social media consumption, yeah. because you, you always see the best of people on there. And then I started to do uh, like a gratitude list. So at the end of each week, I would just look at like what I was grateful for. Because if you don't, um, this isn't a full healthy answer, because it's still focusing on accomplishing things. But if you don't make note of the things you're accomplishing, you're never going to be grateful for them. And you're just going to keep wanting more and doing more. Right. So I really started taking time to look at the things that were actually happening in my life. So I could see that. And I mean, if you look at like, um, somebody coming out of addiction, because this is something I've put a lot of thought into, because I'd love to build an app for this for any listeners out there that are also interested in that. Um, you look at somebody coming out of addiction, getting a car is a huge deal. Getting a place to stay is a huge deal. Getting your first uh, job is a huge deal. Getting off of probation is a huge deal. There's all these little things that if you just keep, like you could still think you're behind because you're just now getting off probation and nobody else is on probation. But that's a huge deal because you're progressing and you're moving forward and you're making good choices and you're staying on the right path. So you have to see your wins as wins and, and recognize that. Mm, very, very big. You know, like I, I love what you just said about the wins. It's so easy for the mind to look at all the things that we consider as losses or things that go wrong because the mind is a survival, the brain is a survival mechanism and it just wants to keep you safe and obviously looks for the danger. So what you're saying is develop a practice of celebration, you know, acknowledging your wins, acknowledging what you did well, what worked out well. And the more you stack those things up, the more you find a reason to say, hey, actually, you know, I'm doing really well. And yes, that's part of the doing. However, as you rightly say, in the beginning stage, that really helps. It really helps, especially after you've had like a smackdown, you know, and you've coming back from sort of from the ashes. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that's interesting to add into that is there was a book that I read that was monumental for me through this is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Big mm. Leap. And um, one thing the main thing that he focuses on there is your internal thermostat and your upper limiting beliefs that come with that. And if you have the incorrect mindset about yourself, about what you can do, about what you are capable of doing, you set a ceiling for yourself. And when you start to go past that, when you start to do better, when you start to, you start to bring yourself back down to reach the temperature that is your resting state. And that doesn't necessarily mean we'll use my uh, situation, that doesn't mean going and getting drugs and getting high. That could mean you accomplish something good. And then naturally, a bad thought or negative thought comes to your mind. And if you start taking if you listen to that and start actually thinking about that, a lot of times the negative thoughts or the bad things you have in your head, come right after or not long after something good or something positive happening in your life because you're bringing yourself back down. So yeah. it really takes seeing that, hearing that, and starting to look for it, and then realizing that the main thing that's holding you down in that place is your own limiting beliefs on that. So yeah, 
Yeah, so true. And, and, and that's exactly why I'm such a big proponent of mindset, because, you know, what you said, it makes so much sense. You know, the, the way that I refer to that is your identity. So if you believe you, if your core beliefs are stronger in, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this. Whenever you achieve the bigger wins that you might have achieved through a lot of hard work, you know, as, as soon as you look at that, you're like, yeah, that's great. But, you know, I got to go back to my identity, who I believe I am. Otherwise, you have what you call an ego death, which is a great thing, you know, or an identity loss. And I have seen this in my own life, especially in two areas predominantly in money. You know, I kept having great month, great month. I was like, oh, this is amazing, you know? And then some, somehow I was like, okay, okay, now I don't need to do anything. I don't need, and then I started going back down. Like, oh, crap. And then hard work, hard work, hard work, push it up again. And so I found myself in this cycle of like great months, dry, nothing. And then great months again. And I also found myself in, in that way in relationships where, I noticed that I would sabotage relationships to the point where I would then end up breaking up with the person because I did not want to be broken up with. So what I did is, and, and, and what I didn't do was open up vulnerably and share about my feelings and talk about the things what we should have said in the beginning, because I thought if I did that, they will leave me because then they're going to find out that I'm really this terrible person. And the only person that I really started to do this is the woman that I'm going to marry next year. And that changed the whole game for me. I love it. And congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Question for you about mindset. You know, you obviously have created a lot of success in your business. And I'm curious, what would you say has investing in your mindset opened up for you? A lot of things. Um, it's opened up the ability to... Um, delegate to people and to hire out people that way it's opened up the opportunity to find uh the need for things like consultants and, and opportunities that way but it's just allowed me to have that um i'm gonna call it airway but removal of the ceiling to keep growing high achievers we want to or i'll speak for myself i want to achieve the things i want to get there but sometimes the the doing of that process is so scary that it can hold you back from mm. it so really just focusing on having the mindset that allows me to fail and allows me to go after those things um has been great for us so far yeah yeah and and and, and would you say that there has been because you just talked about delegating and mm -hmm. so like if you read a business book about growing and scaling your business almost every business book will mention that. And, you know, it's like a no brainer. And, and I get what you're saying. And I had the same idea where I was like, yeah, of course, delegating, hiring people. That's great. Yet I never did it. And I'm wondering, what would you say was the lesson that you realized that mindset lesson that helped you to go from doing it yourself to then starting to hire other people and bringing them on, to, on board? Yeah, for me, it was really looking at, um, not treating myself like a workhorse, I guess is the quickest way to put it. And, you know, I was, I fell into the trap of, um, I moved from doing and thought I was moving to delegating, but I was moving to the in-between phase, which is decision. So I moved from doing to hiring people that required me to make a lot of decisions for them. So then I was working even more than I was if I was just doing it all myself. 
and um, had to kind of backtrack that way and then move into hiring people that I could delegate out to. So, you know, everybody is a little bit different on that one, I would say, because there's some people that like to be in control of what is happening. There's some people that um, it's with the team management and things like that. But for me, it was just the mental blockage of feeling like I had to be the one doing everything just because uh, I needed the approval or I needed the uh, achievement in my mind. So, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful reflection. And, and what I'm hearing then that is that there is that you've built a sense of trust through that by, by building your mind. So you build a greater sense of trust that allowed you eventually to say, okay, I'm going to give up this control and I'm going to trust these people. I'm going to trust the process that it will eventually work out. And in your case, it did. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you can't do that, it's not a business, it's a hobby at the end of the mm. day is what it turns into. And, um, you know, really write down, what do you like, figure out what you enjoy doing and do more of that. A lot of us start a business because we like to do the thing that the business centers around and then spend all of our time doing 95% of the other stuff. Right. And that, that doesn't work out and it, it's not good mentally as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. And that to me speaks to following the path of joy, mm -hmm. which to me is also the, 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 where your zone of genius lies and to really, you know, to many of us, it might sound like a crazy idea, but creating a business for yourself where you can only do the things that you really love doing, because then you get rid of all of the overwhelm, the stress, the frustration, the anxiety, because you're really having so much fun and people are taking care of the things that are not fun for you. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I'll just keep going back to one of the first things I said on this, which was finding people that have the experience and the ability to get you where you want to go and, and leaning into other people and not on your own understanding for me mm -hmm. with drugs, it was living free ministries. And for this opportunity that we're talking about now, the first thing I did was invest in something called outsource school from guys named Connor and David and went through their outsource school, which trains you on how to uh, find interview, hire onboard, manage virtual assistants and went through that whole course and then started doing that using their system. And it really worked. I mean, it really Amazing. did. So finding people right now we're in growth phase and we brought on an operations consultant that works 10 hours a week in the business to help with things, find people that have done what you're doing. And that'll help as well. Cause a lot of times you may have a unique product or a unique software or something like that, but your business model, oftentimes you're not inventing the wheel there. You can find other people that have experience with that and help you there. Yes, 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 yes. And I have a specific mindset principle that I use for this. And I, and, and to help me a lot, I said, before I ask, how do I do this? I ask who can help me with this? Yep. It's just a tiny shift, but as you have just said, it just opens up a whole world of possibilities. So and much more. I want to ask you a few more questions. One of my favorite questions being, I would love to know, based on everything that you've been sharing with me today here, what is something that you are currently still dealing with and what are you doing to overcome it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think to this day, I've been on this podcast talking about the, um, the fast paced movement that slow down to speed up. I mean, that's something that still resonates with me today. That's something, <clears throat> excuse me, that I still find myself having to work on and make sure I'm understanding um, that I don't have to work towards rest. So 
uh, just because I say it on here doesn't mean I'm not still kind of going through it myself as well. Yeah, I, thank you for saying that. And right now, what's your what's your approach to this? Because there's many people that listening to they're like, ah, yep, I'm right there with you. Yeah, one thing that I've been trying to do, and once again, I may not give you the healthy uh, uh, therapy answer, but one thing I really try to do is just take time on Saturday or Sunday, <clears throat> reflect on the last week and really just put priority to what I need to be focusing on this week. And when I feel like I can um, know that what I'm working on has importance to it, like it's actually something that's going to move the needle, then I don't feel like I just need to cross a lot of things off the list. So really yeah. limit myself to three things per week and three things per day that I feel like I need to be focusing on. And mm. that's, that's what I've been trying and uh, working to do as of right now. Yeah. Has that been working well for you? The three things and three, it, three, yeah, it has, week? yeah, it has been, I use, um, there's a planner called living your best year ever by Darren Hardy. I use that. And then one other little journal and just keep it written down. If I have it written down in front of me, it helps out a lot. Amazing. I like that. I think, I think that's an idea that I can play with as well. The three, three rule. Hmm. Another question for you. So, I really enjoyed the conversation with you today so far. And, you know, you, you seem to have a plethora of experiences, you know, in mental health, emotional health and mindset. So if you could spend an hour of your time with any person who has ever walked the face of the earth, dead or alive, doesn't matter, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. Let me ask you this while I'm thinking, because that's going to take me a second. Who, who would you uh, meet if you could walk with anybody? Because that's going to take me about 30 to 45 seconds to think about. <laughs> well, thank you for asking me. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple people. I think the person that comes to mind is Jesus. And that is because to me, Jesus is one of the ascended masters and someone who really embodied what he taught. And in this phase of my life where I'm at, I am focusing on embodying love, love and peace. And that's not in a religious context. It's really, I, I like to make things very simple. And I want to ask him, it's like, what helped you to create so much peace and love in your life when you were faced with so much adversity? And that to me would be worth a lot. You know, now I wish I wouldn't have asked you that first, because it's going to be hard <laughs> to say anything after Jesus uh, as, a, as an answer. But, um, you know, I'd really like to, um, the first person that comes to mind is somebody like Martin Luther King Jr. I'd love to be able to connect with him and just really understand the way that he saw people and saw the world and, and the way that he mentally operated uh, and moved, especially with the adversity that he was going through. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 someone I would like to add to my list, yeah, you know, yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, great answer. So, grand finale question: If you had access to a magic cheat code, and you could ten x any area of your life within the next six to twelve months, what would it be, and why? Yeah, I would say I would do that with. Um the personal side of my life, uh, if we're looking at getting very specific with it, I would say with relationship or um, like personal lifestyle and just being fully transparent, probably because I spend most of my time trying to 10X the other parts of my life. 
<laughs> and that is often the area that can get less attention and less focus yeah. and things like that. So I think that uh, that's one thing I would definitely move towards. Yeah, that's a great answer. And, and you know, I think so another coach once told me, he said, he said, you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that bleed into your business. <laughs> and, you know, like, especially relationships, I, I, I very much resonate with that because I've worked a lot on my personal relationships and there's always room for more uh, growth and insights. And yet I've seen crazy transformations that came through personal conversations by clearing up the stuff. You know, there's a there's one thing that I that is known as the law of open cycles. It's like having a lot of computer tabs open in your browser, right? The more mm -hmm. you have open, the more the system slows down because it's dealing with so many things. So the more of these open cycles you have in your life, which are like, unresolved things in your relationship you know like five years ago when your mom said that one thing to you and you were like oh that really hurt but you're just like oh whatever she didn't mean it i'm just not going to go there and so then multiply these things by 10 20 30 40 and all these things are sitting in your subconscious mind and mm -hmm. then you're trying to sort of again going back to our conversation through the doing remove the pain that is uh, that is sitting in the being so i like that you bring that up and i think that's a good invitation for all of our listeners to not just focus on your business you, know, you have a personal life as well you have a life outside of the business outside of the constant doing and to lean into that kobe do you have any last words for our listeners today yeah i would just echo what we've been talking about which is find other people around you that can be your support system, that can be your community, find people that have done or can help you do what you're wanting to do in any aspect of your life. Um, you don't have to lean on your own understanding. You can, you can find people to connect with. Yes, yes, yes. And I second that. Don't be the lone wolf. If you want to, if you want to go fast, right? We talked about that, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. That's an African proverb that I like to, you know, bring in here. Kobe, thank you so much. Um, please, before we close down the interview, where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, look up Colby flood on LinkedIn, or you can just shoot me an email Colby at brighterclick.com. Amazing. All righty, everyone, make sure to check out Colby in the show notes. You'll find all the links. Thank you for tuning into the Self-Doubt Solution. This is Mario Lanzarotti. I look forward to seeing you on the next show. And with that, I'm complete. Thank you for, for jamming with me today. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. All righty, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.